0: Hello everyone, this podcast has typically been for students of radiography as well as practicing technologists, but this episode can really relate to just about anyone, either in or out of the healthcare field. Some of today's topics will specifically relate to radiology departments, but please feel free to share with friends and family because we've seen a lot of misinformation about the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. I'll be foregoing the peppy theme music in this episode. While this podcast is called 5-Minute Radiography, this particular topic is going to take a little longer to even briefly discuss, and it won't necessarily pertain only to radiography. I should mention I am a resident of San Diego County, and experiences may vary depending on your own location. As of today, March fifteenth, two 2020, steps have already been taken to restrict visitors from hospitals. I'm even sending pertinent updates to my staff, often multiple times per day, including the weekends. Some people have been quarantined to their homes, including healthcare workers, and if you haven't noticed, most of the medications, and for some odd reason toilet paper, is currently missing from the shelves at local supermarkets. If you're new to healthcare, you might be asking, what the hell have I signed up for? After working in healthcare for over 20 years myself, I can say this type of reaction is far from new, Especially when false information is in circulation. Today, I want to discuss some important facts about COVID 19 to dispel some of the myths floating around. I'd also like to reiterate some important precautions you can take to protect yourself from acquiring it. And I'd like to discuss some observations that may or may not be necessarily positive. Let's jump into some facts. The term coronavirus isn't new. This term was coined in the 1960s due to the appearance of crown-like spikes on their surfaces. There are different types of coronaviruses, and not all of them are the same. Some of you may recall MERS, which stands for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS, meaning Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. These are versions of coronaviruses that, when first encountered, had some alarming responses from the public. Some coronaviruses, not all, have been known to infect animals and have the ability to be transmitted to humans, and some are exclusive to each. Most coronaviruses have symptoms similar to the common cold with respiratory symptoms and even possibly pneumonia. Some of them affect the gut, but most have historically produced symptoms within two to four days following exposure. So when we use the term coronavirus, we're usually speaking of human coronavirus types. COVID-19, specifically, is what the latest influence is based on, and there are some new things to consider with this one. In late 2019, a previously undiscovered virus was infecting people in Wuhan, Hubei province of China, and it was being called SARS-CoV-2, and the disease it caused was termed coronavirus disease 2019, abbreviated COVID-19. We don't know for certain at this point, but it's believed, according to the CDC, that it originated with links to seafood and the live animal market when it was first observed. But when people began getting exposed who had no direct links to those markets, they learned the virus had evolved to be able to spread from human to human. Symptoms include cough, shortness of breath, runny nose, and fever. On March 11, 2020, just four days prior to this recording, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. This is significant because it's the first time a pandemic had been declared as a result of the emergence of a new coronavirus. There's no known cure as of today, and there are a few groups of people at higher risk of getting extremely sick from it. Initial data suggests that older adults are at risk, with risk increasing with age also people who have underlying medical conditions such as heart disease, lung disease, and diabetes, and anyone who is considered immunosuppressed, regardless of age. You may be wondering why some people are so concerned and some are kind of shrugging it off as no big deal. While I can't tell you how to feel about this, there are some important considerations to make in order to determine your own response, because the CDC now states we're pretty much past the contamination stage of the disease and it's only a matter of time before you'll be at least exposed to it if you haven't been already. While I don't want to quote exact numbers here because they're changing day-to-day, you can always go to the CDC website to see totals and mortality rates that are being updated regularly. I'd like to start with a few reasons here that we should at least have a little bit of respect for COVID-19. First, uh, it's new. We have not encountered this virus before, and from what we're seeing, it's highly contagious. Okay, well that doesn't sound too scary, except for when we've encountered other infectious agents in recent years such as SARS, H1N1, and Ebola. We were aware of how those are transmitted prior to being affected by them, and previous response systems had been in place for them. And we also had data allowing us to take precautions that would highly predict our ability to prevent illnesses based on them. Today, with COVID 19, we're simply gathering data as we face it. There's a measure of uncertainty until, unfortunately, we encounter it enough to collect significant data. Another reason to respect it it appears to be highly contagious, easily transmitted from one person to another person. We're also learning that it can stay alive on some surfaces for up to three days. Some studies yet to be verified have suggested that it can stay alive on metal and plastic surfaces specifically for up to nine days. The current statistics for mortality rate are fairly high compared to this year's flu season. Now this information really needs to be put in perspective though. If you simply look at the number of deaths from flu compared to number of deaths from COVID-19, flu currently has a lot right now compared to COVID-19 but you need to take into account all of the data. The fact is, flu's been around longer this year than COVID-19, and COVID-19 has a higher percentage of deaths per case compared to flu, about 2.7% compared to flu, which is only 0.1%. That's 0.1%. While the numbers are relatively low for positive cases in the U.S., Experts have produced some fairly concerning predictive models if it continues infecting people at the current rate. COVID-19, as of yesterday, has doubled in the number of positive tests in the last three days in the United States. Another reason to show it some respect? Let's speak about the predictive models. We can observe other countries and their numbers in order to determine some rough estimations about how it's going to spread here in the United States. But when doing this, take into account the variations in medical treatment capabilities and of the options for testing in those countries. For me, the biggest concern is that you can carry this virus without developing symptoms for up to 14 days. Combine that with not having the appropriate amount of tests available right now, the data is going to be somewhat unclear. Yet, you can still see trends following those in the likes of Italy's, where we're climbing every day, sometimes exponentially. I say all those things to demonstrate that we should simply have respect for it. There's plenty we can do to assist in the efforts to prevent acquiring it. The CDC recommends the following, which I'm sure you're familiar with right now, but it's still worth mentioning here. You can wash your hands. Given the way this is spread on surfaces... Sing two happy birthdays and don't neglect in between your fingers, under your fingernails, and around your thumbs up to your wrists. Create lots of friction with soap while you're washing. Avoid touching your face, more specifically your eyes, nose, and mouth. Use social distancing when in public. Keep at least a six-foot distance from others, and you can even use this at home if someone has symptoms at home. Speaking of home, you should try to stay at home, especially if you're sick. Use telemedicine services like Doctors on Demand with virtual appointments. Check with your healthcare provider to see what options you have, or simply call your physician before considering going out into public to see if it's absolutely necessary for you to be seen by your doctor in person. With all of this in mind, the CDC still assesses the public's risk to acquiring COVID-19 to be low, but this shouldn't cause us to throw caution to the wind. I've seen a lot of people say, I'm not in a high-risk category, so why should I care? Or, this is fake news. Or, it's just a cold, why are people freaking out? Well, as a person working in healthcare, I can speak to some of these. Right now, the supply of N95 respirators, which are the recommended mask for protection for healthcare workers, are in very low supply. As the number of cases rise across the country, there's legitimate concern for manufacturers of these masks to be able to keep up with the demand. We're already seeing rationing of these masks in hospitals across the country, as well as recommendations for standard surgical masks to be used by healthcare workers in light of this. Precautions that healthcare systems are taking now include quarantine of staff who have been exposed to patients under investigation for COVID 19 and positive testers working from home accommodations for non-essential hospital personnel, and dismissal of student clinical rotations for those training in radiography, nursing, respiratory therapy, and many other specialty areas. This not only reduces risk for spread of the virus, but it also helps conserve supplies. I know it may seem unfair to students, and my teacher's mind thinks, what a great opportunity this is for students to practice infection control guidelines, But when you consider that students require licensed professionals to oversee their work, the conservation of supplies must be prioritized at this point in time, and reduction of risk to students taking the virus back to their schools needs to be minimized. In California, we've limited the number of public gatherings, we've canceled schools, sporting events, community events, and many other forms of public gatherings. It makes no sense to me to see social media pictures of people gathering in bars with zero regard to these established precautions. It truly saddens me to see people using this as propaganda for the political climate and justifying their position on government control of things, simply ignoring these recommendations. Consider the fact if predictive models pan out, and we're already seeing them do that, hospital beds are going to be full of sick patients. Now, without COVID-19 going on, they already are. So just imagine the number of regular reasons for hospitalizations to occur, such as car accidents or various forms of trauma, cancer treatment, other numerous illnesses, and not to mention it's still flu season. People are still going to need health care from hospitals that are already bursting at the seams without added COVID-19 stress. It's my personal opinion that throwing caution to the wind and failing to observe the recommended precautions is purely selfish. If you're hospitalized for this, and it was because you refused to observe these precautions, you are likely preventing someone else from having a hospital bed, someone that really needs it. Or perhaps someone else was careless and chose not to observe these precautions. They may have prevented you from being able to have the treatment you need just take those things into consideration. This might sound like an extreme point of view, but it's where we're at right now. We have to think about these things today so that we don't end up in this position tomorrow. That is the predicted model position. Right now, we're following the predicted trends. We need to do something to what we call flatten the curve. Eventually, if things continue to get worse, and I mean far worse, we'll be playing the game of choosing who gets treatment and who doesn't. Those discussions are already happening, though nobody likes to talk openly about it, so I can only continue to urge everyone to take this seriously. I want to reiterate that I'm not telling you this to scare anyone or to be doom and gloom, but I do hope you have a respect for the situation and start to think of the impact of your decisions, not only for how they affect you, but those around you in your homes and in your communities. Keep in mind that as a healthcare leader, I'm partially responsible for some element of contingency planning. For me in my particular role, it's staffing our healthcare systems. So yes, worst case scenarios are being thought out. If all of these precautions are followed and people avoid being out in public, and we actually do slow the progress of this virus, the people who believe this isn't really something to be concerned about may just be able to say, See, you were worried for nothing. Well, I hope that's the case. I would much prefer that over the alternative of being able to say, I was right, and back up the data already collected when it could have possibly been prevented. The World Health Organization doesn't just willy-nilly declare pandemics every week. Data and science across multiple countries have declared there's enough reason to be concerned and have provided methods for prevention, or at least for lowering your risk for acquiring COVID-19. Let's be responsible and treat this conservatively. As of today, March 15th, 2020, the data we're receiving for the cases in the U.S. are underestimating the actual occurrences. This is because testing is simply not available for everyone exhibiting symptoms. And not to get too political here, but all of this is occurring after the U.S. declined the provision and usage of tests developed by the World Health Organization back in January, in favor of tasking the CDC to develop its own testing measure. And I should note, that testing measure has had some early manufacturing defects that caused many of the initial tests to come back inconclusive. All of this is according to Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Center of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. I will link to that article in my show notes. I still teach adjunct for San Diego Mesa College's radiography program. And I know... At the healthcare organization I work for full-time, the students have been sent home. I'm linking to several things in my show notes, but I'd like anyone listening to this to consider reading up on at least the link that says Coronavirus Statistics and Research. For my students, specifically the section that mentions flattening the curve, in Canvas, students please send me your thoughts about how you can flatten the curve in addition to the steps that you're taking right now. Thank you everyone so much for listening. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have, but I can't promise I'll be able to answer them very speedily right now as I'm basically working 24-7. That's why I've linked to some resources for you, but keep in mind, these need to be updated daily, and some of the info I've discussed here even may be outdated depending on when you listen to this. And just one last note to healthcare workers out there. Please, please be diligent in your infection control practices. And thank you so much for all you do for your patients and your communities.